0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I realized that that I grew up in a setting that for me could not have been better. I had a godly mother and father. My dad loved me. My dad had this incredible balance. He was such a man's man, such a godly man. Boy, he pushed me. He He taught me how to work. He, he uh, stretched me, but he loved me. He encouraged me. He was my best friend. He was my hero. Uh, he was the best man in my wedding. Even as a young adult, nobody took my dad's place. He, he was the man. My dad was my hero, is my hero to today. He's in heaven now. But I realize as I've grown older, you know, I heard, heard some people say, uh, you've heard people say, this." hey, I didn't know I was poor until I grew up, and left home, found out other people lived. I didn't know how blessed I was until I left home and met other families and fathers and friends of mine and realized not every home has that kind of father. Not every kid grew up like I did. Some of you never knew your dad. Some of you, when I say father, it's a really negative connotation. And I realize we're from everywhere. We're from all over the planet here as far in regard to fatherhood and what our experience has been. But here's what I want you to know. No matter how great or how small, no matter how strong or how weak, No matter how positive or negative your father experience has been, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a Heavenly Father who was always faithful, who was always there, who always loves you, who'll never forsake you. How many are thankful for our Heavenly Father today? Every good thing that's ever come to us was because of Him. Man, I love my grand, I love my kids, I love my grandkids, I do anything for them, but as much as I love them, And as focused on them as I am. I'm sure not perfect. And I miss it sometimes. But here's my confidence. That every place I miss it. The Heavenly Father steps in and makes a difference in their life. That everything I'm lacking, God has more than enough. So you know what I'm doing, dads? I'm pointing them to Him all the time. I'm not telling them, put your eyes on me. I'm telling them, look to Him. You've got a Heavenly Father. My best job I'll ever do is connect them to God. Can you say amen to that? Because I know He's never going to let them down. So what does that have to do with halftime? Well, let me, let me explain to you what a gift today is. Let me help us understand why today is so important. And why do we go to all this trouble, make t-shirts, set up the stage to talk about halftime? Let me introduce you to halftime. This is what we know from life, and this is bigger than this. This is the game of life. Here's what we know. In the game of football, they tell us that the team that scores the most points in the second half of the game win over 70% of the games. What we're beginning to learn is that halftime is the most strategic moment in the game. Isn't that interesting? We thought it was when the players were on the field, and that's important. And we thought it was when they came back out of halftime. But what we're learning and what we're discovering is that what happens at halftime is the most strategic moment of the day. Now, this is the thing. Have you noticed more and more when they do the coin toss before a football game and the team that wins the coin toss, they say, we don't want the ball now. We defer. We want the ball to begin the second half. Do you know why? Because everybody's learning. Halftime is the most important time you'll ever have It's strategic It's when you plan You know, halftime's really the real proof of a coach Halftime is when you come in And, and you reset everything Halftime's when you come in and you evaluate What happened in that first half? Halftime is when you make adjustments Halftime is when you encourage your team What happens at halftime? You step back for a moment Listen to me, guys and ladies You step back You take a minute You leave the playing field. You go into a smaller room. You just got your team around you like like the teams here in the locker room. Like we're in this moment right now. We step back on this Sunday morning. We step back for a moment. We're resetting. We're evaluating. We're correcting and adjusting. We're getting a drink of water. We're refreshing. See, halftime is when you win or lose the game. What you do at halftime will determine what you do for the rest of that game. Here's what I know. If you win the second half, you win in life. How many heard what I just said? No matter how bad you missed the first one, if you win your second half, gentlemen, there's incredible hope and opportunity for you right now. I don't know what happened before today, but I can tell you, heroes are made in the second half. How many heard what I just said? All heroes are made in the second half. Why is that? Man, we just love a comeback. We're a people who value the person who may not have gotten it right, but made the adjustment and had the courage to try again. See, heroes are not remembered for how they start. Heroes are remembered for how they finish. See, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, even God says the same thing. Look at this. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. That's what God says. The end of a matter... It's better than it's beginning. Can I give you some encouragement today? You may have blown it in the first half of your life. You may have blown it in your first attempt. You may have made some mistakes and fallen on your face and made choices you wish you'd never made. But I have some good news for you today. Today's halftime in your life. Today we walk in this room and we say, you know what, I'm going to refocus. I'm going to reset. I'm not giving up on my life, my hopes, or my dreams. Let me show you someone who had more influence on the church than maybe anyone else, and this man had to have a halftime. Let's look at this scripture uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verse number 8. Now, let's leave that up, and let me tell you who we're talking about. This man, as we first meet him in the Bible, his name was Saul. You know where we met Saul? We met Saul in Acts chapter 7. I want you to get this. The first half of this man's life was a travesty. He was standing there holding the cloaks and cheering on the people who killed the first Christian for his faith. When Stephen was stoned to death and martyred, it was Saul who was cheering him on, giving affirmation, the Bible says, approving, yes, kill him, kill him, kill him. Saul was a man who hated Jesus. Saul hated Christians. He ransacked The Christian community in Jerusalem. He jerked babies out of their mother's arm. And threw their mothers in prison. He dragged fathers away from their crying families. And had them executed. This man lived to destroy the church. If you would go back to that time. And and look at those that hated the church. There was no one who would equal him. He would be every terrorist you know today. Compiled into one person. That was Saul. And yet this man who hated Jesus, who hated Christians, who threw them in prison and approved to their execution was riding one day to Damascus. Do you know why? Because he had so obliterated the hopes and dreams of many in Jerusalem, he wasn't satisfied. Saul says, I've got to find more Christians to persecute. I have to destroy the church in another city. And so with legal documents to allow him and approve him, He's riding from Jerusalem to Damascus to do what? To kill more Christians, to throw more people in jail, to ruin more families, to challenge Jesus. But on the way, this man, think of this, guys. I don't know where you failed or what you've done wrong, ladies. I don't know what you hope no one knows about or I don't know what your reputation is today. But this man, the arch enemy of God by his own choosing on the way to Damascus has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus comes to him one-on-one it's such an amazing encounter he falls off his horse and he's struck blind and has three days of praying and fasting and 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 then he comes and he's filled with the Holy Spirit and called into this ministry and this guy named Saul had a halftime he had a moment where his life was going one direction and he encountered Jesus and it radically changed and began going in another direction I can tell you something today there is no sin you've ever committed That's greater than the grace of God. There's no mistake you've ever made. That's greater than the grace of God. And your life may be going in this direction. You hear me today. There is a God. Not a religion. Not an ideology. Not a set of rules. Not a human institution. But a God. Who can take your life. And give you half time. And reset your life. And you can walk out of this place. A different man. Than the man who walked in here. His name was Saul. They had to rename him. They had to give him a new name. You know, there's some of you guys, we we need to rename you. Come on, you're so radically different than who you were. Come on, can, can somebody say, man, you, you know some of you, you, you know some of you they used to call you Slick Willie. You know what I'm talking about. You, 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 you know who, you know who you are. You know, you had your juice going, didn't you? you you're a Slick Willie. Some of you, you know, we need to give you a new name. You're a man of God now. you got some integrity. And some of you, you used to be proud. You had a name. They called you the player. You know, you you thought you were all that. But now you're a one-woman man. Come on, tell the truth. Give somebody a high five. Say, you need a new name. Come on. Give somebody a high five. That's what I'm saying. Everybody. Come on, go ahead. Just go ahead. They said, we can't call him Saul anymore. He's 180 degrees from that man. Let's name him Paul. And what did he say about himself? Look at this. He said, talking about Jesus and Himself and His ministry. Look at His humility. He says, and last of all, he appeared to me, to me, as to one abnormally born. You know what he said? was so into my life. I was so far gone. I was so in one direction that when he appeared to me, it was like a person born at an old age. It's like somebody who walked into halftime and got a brand new start. When everyone thought I was over it, I walked into the maternity ward. I was born again. It was crazy. Then look at this. He said, for I'm the least of the apostles. I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But I love this verse. Look at this. But by the grace of God, come on, someone say thank God, but by the grace of God. See, listen, when I talk about halftime, I'm not going to, and men, I believe in Christian counseling. We have, we have some in our church. We have some great Christian counselors, but what I'm talking about today is, is I'm not bringing you in, laying down, talking about what you did as a kid. I'm introducing you to God, to grace, to grace. It's not a human institution. In fact, if we had a name over this locker room, come on, we're in halftime today. Let's call this the Grace House. Come on, what can you say? We walked into grace today. And what we're reading, but by the grace of God, what did he say? By the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace to me was not without effect. Come on, look at this. No, I worked harder than all of them. Can I tell you, there's some crazy teaching on grace today. Somebody needs to tell you the truth. Nobody loves grace more than this man. How many hear what I'm saying? We are what we are by the grace of God. Unearned favor. How many are thankful you have grace that you didn't earn? Jesus paid for on the cross. But listen, look what he says. I am what I am by the grace of God and this grace to me was not without effect. If the only thing you get out of grace is I get forgiven every time I've sinned, you don't know what grace is all about. Because grace will not only forgive you, grace will transform you. Grace will take you where you are and take you where you've never been. Anybody hear me today? Grace is not your license to sin. It's your opportunity to have a halftime. He said I had grace but it made me a different man. So look at this. I I am what i am he says by the grace of god but it was not but to me was not without effect i worked harder than all of them but look at this key come on you got to get this but not i but the grace of god that was in me do you know why you and i can walk in halftime one man and walk out another man Not because we had a new idea, not because we got a great halftime speech, not because we tried harder, hold our jaw right, did this, did that. It's because God walked inside your life. We are who we are by the grace of God. He said, it's not me, it's the grace of God working in me. Then he says, whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. This is what we believe. You know what we find out in life? It's about what you do at halftime. It's about what you do with that opportunity when when God steps in your life. And can I give you some good news today, ladies and gentlemen? Listen to me, guys. It's never too late to have a halftime in your life. It's never too late to have halftime. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I've done. Recently, I was in a conversation with a man. See, I don't just talk about Jesus standing up here. I talk about Jesus wherever I go. Can somebody say amen to that? Christianity is not one day a week for me. It's a lifestyle. Anybody else with me on that? My love for Jesus doesn't pick up when I come in the door, huh, and I leave him when I go out. Hey, see, some people think church is a Jesus library, now, some of you don't know what a library is anymore. I know it's all digital now. Let me tell you about an old building. See, some of you think Jesus is, the church is a Jesus library. You check the book out when you come in, and you put it back before you leave. Come on. See, some people don't have a Jesus, a Sunday Jesus. How many have a real Jesus? Uh, Seven-day-a-week Jesus. Anybody got that kind? So, so, so when we, we begin to see what he's doing, we, we have this halftime moment. We have this experience, this opportunity, and God radically changes us. And some people say, well, you know, it's too late for me. Listen, the conversation I had with this man, he said, Pastor, I want to be saved. I regret my life. I I, I want something to change. He said, but Pastor, it's too late. I said, what do you mean it's too late? He said, I'm too old. I don't have time to go back to every person I offended, to everything I did wrong, and go make that right. I said, sir, you don't understand Jesus. You can't go back and undo it and redo it and live a whole other lifetime. That's why God says it's His grace. Come on. That God just gives you a brand new start. Start where you are. It's never too late to have a halftime experience. Young men, young women, listen to me. It's never too early. Did anybody hear what I said? It's never too early. why said, Pastor, why do, you, why do you mean that? Because you never know how many halftime opportunities life's going to give you. You never know when that car you get in, if that car's not coming home tonight. You never know how many times you got in a car with some people and you didn't know what they were going to do, but they did it and you were in it and you're going to the same place they're going. You never know how many opportunities life's going to give you. Never too late and it's never too early. Let me talk about, for a minute, let's let's give the ladies some honor today on on, uh, Father's Day because there's someone I really admire because I admire winners. Come on, how many admire winners? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Don't you? How many want your team to win next time they play? Tell the truth. Don't say, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it matters. We like winners. Come on. But I like the way people play, too. So let me tell you about a winner. This individual is the most winning coach in the history of Division I basketball. the most uh, uh, Of, of top, top level, not Division I, but NCAA basketball. Greatest winner of all time in basketball. Head coach. You think it's John Wooden at UCLA, isn't it? No, it's a lady, Pat Summit who was the head basketball coach, ladies coach, University of Tennessee. Pat Summit won 1,098 games in her career. Pat Summit, The most prolific head coach in basketball is a lady. Come on, give it up for the ladies. Come on. But here's this thing that not many people knew about Pat Summit. She had a secret. And it was all about halftime. And as their teams won so many games and people began to ask them, they began to discover that Pat Summit knew something about halftime long before anybody else ever did. Pat Summit would bring her team in every halftime and ask them three questions. Every halftime. We're having halftime today. She would bring them in and she would go to the whiteboard there and she would say, okay, ladies, first question. What did we do right? First question. What did we do right? Second question she asked them this. Ladies, what did we do wrong in this half? Ladies, question three. What are we going to change? That's what it says. Just take my word. What are we going to change this half? Long before anybody knew what was going on in that University of Tennessee, ladies, basketball, halftime huddle. That coach knew where she was taking those ladies. There were three key questions. Gentlemen, let me ask you today at halftime. Today's a gift to us. Today's an opportunity for us. We walked in this place in the middle of a busy life and we're going to take a drink of water and back up. We're going to evaluate. Guys, ladies, what have you done right? Think about The positive things in your life that worked. Let me ask you about the day you got saved. When you first met Jesus. Man, you did that right. What was that like for you? You remember your passion? You remember your hunger? The Bible calls it your first love? The Bible says that we were fiery. What what did you do to feed that passion? What were the right things you did? Did you read the word? Did you pray? Did you come to church? Did you worship? What did you do to fan the flame? Guys, what were the right things you did between you and God? Oh, that's good, man. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Stay with that thing. What would you do right, guys? About your walk with God. Let me ask you this. What did you do to win your wife's heart? Are you with me, gentlemen? What would you do right in causing that little lady to love you? Whatever you did right there, I got some advice for you. Keep doing it. Say, we're married now. Yeah, so you like that? They're working for you. you? Want to stay married? We better do some things right. You better do what you did to win her heart. You with me? What would you do right? We're evaluating. So I'm talking about people that want to win that second half and make life go. What would you do right? It's a good question. What would you do right between you and God? What do we do right between ourselves and our wife? Let me ask you something. How did you nurture your children? Dad, do you remember? Man, I remember. Wow. That moment in that delivery room with my wife when our first child was born and I held Meredith in my arms, oh my goodness. Come on, tell the truth. Was that an overwhelming moment? Man, I just, something happened in me. I grew up, I realized some things. Man, I felt, I didn't know I could love a little person that much. It was an overwhelming moment. What'd you do right? What did you do right? With that little baby, what did you do right when you became a father? Keep doing it. See, we're at halftime. That's a good question. What did I do right and love them? Love them. Remember that. What did I do right? Hey, wh- what about your uh, what about your education and your training? Remember that guy? Remember when you you'd, you'd work and and you'd work a job and go to school? Why? Because you had a dream. You were reaching. You said, I know what I can do. Remember those big dreams? What did you do to train yourself? What did you do to educate yourself? What sacrifice did you make to step that life up? You know, what did you do right? It's a good thing to remember. What about your uh, friendships? What about how you helped other people? Remember what you did right before life started, you know, limiting us and beating us up and Still in the way who we really were And, and, and let me ask you this, this part Right, what did you do right about your health? I just say that to help you What did you do right? I don't think we get old so fast I think we quit trying so fast <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? You, you know, what, what do we do with our health? Okay, I can tell that's going well Let, 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 let me, you know So she asked him another question She, she said, ladies, what do we do right? That's a big question Because if you're doing something right What should you do? Keep doing it don't replace it. Don't get tired of it. What did you do right? But we have to ask that question. See, it's halftime. So what did I do wrong first half? You know, if I could kind of uh, put that in a summary. And I've taught you many times. Uh, I, I'm a bottom line thinker. I want you to, to to make life clear and make good decisions. And I've told you that God works in connections. And where does Satan work? He works in the gap. See, so what did I do wrong? What caused there to be a gap between God and me. That's, that's bad. That's wrong. Are you with me? What caused that relationship to drift? What created the gap between me and God? Pastor, what's so bad with a gap? Because gaps are always filled in with something you don't choose. Every time a gap creates in our life, Satan steps in that gap. See, every time you think, well, I didn't do anything wrong, but we might not have done something right. The gap Creates opportunities for Satan. So, what, what are the things I did wrong? What created the gap between me and God? Huh? What created the drift between you and your spouse? Huh? What, what, did, I, what did I do wrong? What mistake did I make? What bad choice did I make? What did I give up on? What did I give into? What negative relationships have I become part of? How did I become careless? What am I neglecting? See, I need to ask myself, not only what I did right, i got to be honest, did I do something wrong here? Are you with me in life? We're having halftime here. We pit pause. We're having a Father's Day. I'm going to tell you, before we leave here, you're going to be so proud you're a man. So proud you're a father, so excited about life, but I want to get you there. How many can say amen to that? See, see we're having a moment that Satan doesn't want us to have. We, he's outside. He's not on the team. He don't have the jersey. He, we security kept him out. We're here doing something, exposing his plan and telling what, what God's going to do in your life. So I'm honest enough to say, man, I blew it on some things, but I'm not going to stay there. Because the last question is, what do I change? See, listen to me. Listen. This is the gift of halftime. Because we stop, not with what we did wrong. See, but what am I going to change? See, this is, remember what we read about Paul? What did he say? He said, he said, I am what I am by what the grace of God. Listen. And then he said, it's really not me. It's his grace operating in me. Can I tell you, real change never comes until God steps in with you. And he's waiting right now. He's eager right now. See, we get frustrated. And then we make excuses and say, I can't change. You're right, but God can change you. It's too late for me. No, it's never too late for God. See, you can die and he'll raise you from the dead. You can't tell God it's too late. Haven't you heard what I just said? Too late's not in his dictionary. He is always able and so we can change God so so here's the, the the benefit, the blessing is that we can try again aren't you thankful you can try again see the, re- the devil doesn't want you to have a Holy Spirit halftime because this is what he's going to find out that what he did to destroy you what, what the world says, oh he's had a setback come on, it was nothing but a setup for you to have a comeback come on, let's say it again, what the devil made a setback was just your setup to have a comeback, you're about to come out of halftime and blow the door off the devil's schemes on your life see we can change how many How many can say thank God say I can change come on let's say it I can change that's the beauty now here's the deal we're talking about halftime we're in the middle of a contest we have an opponent this isn't a game to play it's life pastor what's my opponent what, what am I facing what's the challenge well guys if I can be perfectly honest with you, ladies that are here today, we're facing the strategy of hell in our culture today. Are you listening to me? The strategy of hell in our culture. And what we're facing is culture trying to operate, listen to me, in the void of authentic manhood. Our opponent today is the void of authentic manhood. And in place of that, listen closely, hear what I'm saying. I told our 9 o'clock congregation, listen to me, Listen, when I'm preaching, you don't have to go home and go, what do you think he was saying? I'm telling you straight up. Everybody with me? I'm, I'm not going to, if I want to say something, I'll say it. I'm not going to try to say it, and you have to go figure it out. If I say it, I said it. I meant it. You don't have to go figure it out. It's not that hard with me, okay? So I'm going to say a couple of things that, that if you've got your politically correct filter on, you, you're going to squirm. I'm going to say some things. If you are listening to culture more than you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to do a seal moment and think through with me. Come on, stay with me. But I want to help you for a moment. And I want, to, I want you to hear what I say and not what I don't say. Don't let somebody talk for us or for me. So what happens? What's this void of authentic manhood? I'm not going to take long with this, but we need to see the strategy. What the devil is doing is creating extremes. Extremes on either end to disfigure and discredit what a real father is supposed to be. So what do, what do we see? What, he, what are the images that are being forced at us? Well, it's things like abusive men are being exposed in our culture today, and they should be. A man that would abuse a woman, it, it's a terrible thing. and, and, and that's an, But can I tell you, not all men are abusive. So we need to stop thinking that. There's some terrible abusers, and abuse should be put down and exposed and treated accordingly, but not every man's an abuser. And then we have an extreme of of absenteeism. There's a lot of fathers who never showed up and did their thing, but there's some godly men sitting in this room that are great men. That's not every man. Is anybody following with me? Or then we get this false macho image that a real man is just this guy that's gruff and rough, and he doesn't love, and he's not kind. And, and, And so we have that extreme. Or we work through these extremes, they're here. Or, or we think that to be a real man, our, our heroes are athletes. I love athletes. I love sports. But listen, you know what? Not everybody's going to make a million dollars an hour playing football. Or, or and I don't want to be the to hurt your feelings. I know you can rap, but you're not going to make a million dollars rapping. You're not that good. somebody got to tell you. Can I help you out? You may be able to rap, but go ahead and go to school. Because, you know, I know you're good. I know you're bad. I know you're all that. But you're not going to get paid a million dollars tomorrow because you can rap and you're pretty. You need to go to school. So we got these extremes that you're trying. Where, where's a man? Where, where, you know, what am I supposed to do in this? Uh, you know, what about a guy like me who goes to work and has a job and does what he's got, you know, does his thing? All right, then, then we get to this. Now, listen, don't, don't, don't fill in the blanks for me. I don't have any. Then we got young men and young women dealing with homosexuality. Right. This transference, this, 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 this misguided transfer of their emotions, of their identity search. Do, so Pastor, you, if you say that, this, did I say Think thing about hate? I love people. I love you in this room. I love the people not in this room. Jesus loves everybody on this planet, whether you agree with them or not. To disagree with you doesn't mean I hate you. Right. What a silly thing but that's what we're told i can't say i disagree because if i disagree hey no i love you would a homosexual be welcome to this church absolutely and we would preach the gospel to everybody the same listen i want you to understand i believe according to scripture that that's not god's plan for anyone's life do people work through life and effects and dysfunction and uh, transference and misguided and these do they get in our way yes they do i know somebody squirming just relax i love you i love your family or, or and, and, so, and, and, and we move from such a, a place of trying to find identity and self and who we are, fulfillment, and then we've gone so far so quickly. Now people can't even identify their own sexuality. Don't know if they're a man or a woman. But can I tell you something? Listen to me. That's not everybody in this country. We're talking about the extremes that the enemy is throwing in our face at a rapid succession trying to cause us to not know who we are. But I can tell you some good news. That although we have a challenge... With a voice speaking loudly against us and coming at us. We have a challenge, but it's not the person, it's the principality behind the person. The enemy of you and I, as believers, is not a person who disagrees with our faith. It's Satan behind this thing. We're gonna love you if you disagree with us. Did you hear what I'm saying? I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna to try to help you. I'm gonna you you can hate me. I'm gonna love you. Because that's what the gospel teaches us to do. If you want to fight, I'm not going to fight you back. It's just going to be a mugging. See, we're not going to have a fight. I'm going to love you because this is what the gospel teaches us to do. We have a challenge of extremes. But let me give you some good news. Although we have a challenge... An opposing force against us. We also have somebody for us. And the Bible says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus said, watch this, think of this. He called the disciples together after he had been with them. And they're in the upper room for the last supper. You know what he had? halftime. He said, look, I've been running the first half, but I'm about to hand off the second half. But don't be afraid. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, the coach, the champion. He's going to come live inside of you. I've got good news today. Although we are challenged, we're not left alone. Although the enemy is loud, our God is bigger. Is anybody thankful that we have the power of God living, moving, working inside of us? In fact, do you know what I've discovered? I've discovered in life that sometimes I need a challenge to reveal to me how big the God on the inside of me really is. Don't be afraid of the challenge. Let it draw on the God that's living inside of you. Proverbs 25 verse 5 says this. Look at this. The purposes of a person or a man or woman's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight Draws them out But in this moment Where culture is opposing The gospel of Jesus We called halftime We're getting information from our champion We realize The bigger the opponent The greater is our God David had to have Goliath Before he knew he was a giant killer Abraham had to wait 25 years Before he's the father of the faithful Joseph had to be betrayed by his brothers Before he came out of half-time halftime, the greatest leader on the earth at that moment. Jesus carried a cross for you and for me before we found out what a Savior was all about. I'm not afraid of our challenge today. You're not going to lose to the challenge today because we have a champion that's greater. Anybody with me this day? Thank God for halftime. For the God who is with us and faithful and mighty. In fact, do you know who you are? You're the hero in the plan of God. You're the answer for this culture that we're living in. God is going to raise you up in this most important moment that we've ever had. It's halftime. But it's about time for us to get out of this halftime. And go back and play that game. We don't stay in the locker room forever. We're here and it's a big moment and God's getting ready to do something. And as you get ready to go back out and win the second half of your life, listen, every event has two different crowds cheering. I want to close. Listen to me. Listen to me. We're at halftime. We're being reminded how this thing works and who God is and who you are. But there are two, there are two crowds cheering. One, one is a crowd that I find when I, I was reading in, 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 uh, Mark chapter five. And Jairus came running to Jesus and said, oh, Jesus, my little 12-year-old daughter is dying. Would you come and heal her? Jesus said, yes, I'll go. Along the way, a woman touched the hem of his garment and was healed of her sickness. And and, and while they're coming, his his friends come and said, Jairus, leave him alone. She's dead. Don't bother him. She died. Everybody's down. We lost. We're not going to get a second half. We're not going to get another chance. What are we going to do? Jesus said, listen, just trust me. Just believe. Come on. Anybody hear me at halftime? You're way behind. You're way behind. You made a lot of mistakes. When I got to the what's wrong, you're like, dear Jesus, come on. But, but he said, listen, believe, believe. And they get to Jairus' house and what happened? He walks in and the Bible says there's a crowd in that house and, and, and they're cheering, but it's not positive. And Jesus says, look, I can't do anything to all these folks. Let's get in this room and call a halftime. Huh? And while they're walking in, he turns and says, hey, she's not dead. She just asleep. And the Bible says they mocked him they laughed at him. They jeered at him. And then I go to John chapter 11. Listen, I stepped on my shoestring and i got to tie it because I don't want to fall off this stage in front of everybody. I, I can preach while I'm doing it. So we go to John chapter 11 and Lazarus is in the tomb and they're wondering what's going on with him, see? And so as Jesus gets ready to go to the tomb, there's a crowd of mourners. Now what are mourners? Listen, here's the crowd cheering against manhood today. Are you with me? There's a crowd and they're cheering against you. They're booing you, ridiculing you, insulting you. But they're called mourners. Mourners make their living off of someone else's death. There's a voice cheering against you today that came out of the shadows because manhood is dying. And they're loud and they're aggressive and they're sarcastic and they ridicule listen to me and they really have no heart for what died because they're there on their own agenda they're just pushing what they want living off your death hoping that you'll die mourners are cheering against every step you take when Jesus said it's not over they laughed at him they laughed at us walking in this room today they jeered at you believing you could do it again but I'm here to tell you that's one crowd but there is another crowd that's pulling for you right now and they're found in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews the 12th chapter. Are you reading? This is who's for you. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that entangles and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Right now there are voices saying You can do it! You can do it! You can do it! I think I hear my Father in Heaven say, Come on, God. I'm for you. I'm for you. It's not too late. It's not over. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.